Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up on today's show, we'll be heading to the new Legends Terrace at the KG5 to find out what's in store for cricket this summer ahead of the season launch on Saturday. We'll also be looking ahead to a brand new golf event supported by the Guernsey Press, which will see the island's elite men paired up and pitted against each other over the coming days. Plus, as always, we'll bring you our moments of the week and tackle the big talking points in local sport. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr. With me today, as ever, Rob Batiste. Hello. And Gareth Prevo. Hiya, Tony. Now, in normal times, the build-up to the Marathi would be well underway. Of course, this year, we still don't know whether the tournament will go ahead or not. Uh, now, we understand a meeting of the Interinsular Football Committee was due to take place this week. Uh, Rob, though, it's fair to say the noises haven't been too positive. No, we're hearing, as we speak, um, hearing that the meeting yesterday evening concluded that it won't be a Marathi. We haven't received that um, officially yet, but I'll be surprised if we have... We do have a green light for a game in Jersey this summer, which is all of a great shame. Um, personally, I think... I can't understand why we need to make a decision so early. Um... We've heard this talk about they need two months to arrange a game, but uh, do we need two months to stage a football match? A football match which lasts 90 minutes on one green pitch, two dressing rooms are available. Uh, I just don't get it, to be honest. I think, um, sure, we need a few weeks to um, prepare um, teams, um, select teams, etc. And we need to better get into the island and out the island without any restrictions, of course. But... If it's down to the fact that we can't get, we need so much time to stage a corporate show, get a lot of people invited, etc., etc., maximise all that. Um, I, I, I don't get that to be honest. It should be about football. I can you know, even if it was just, even if it was just a, a Jersey crowd for the final, I'd, be, I'd find that acceptable personally. Um, you'd still get a good crowd. The, the the, the match would be be played, and um, both all three islands would have made some money. Um, if we are staging sporting events for the sake of the corporate side of things these days, I think we've lost the plot. To be honest, I don't really think it should be all about that. It's about the actual match and playing the match. And of course, there's provision, isn't there, this season to play football right up until the end of June. Uh, that's one thing. And you know, even if Guernsey fans, as you say, can't get across. You know, it's 2021, you know, the, the game would be streamed back to Guernsey, tickets could be sold. I suspect we're, the decision has been made because we can't maximise the financial opportunities that the Marathi now um, provides. And I think that's a shame, really. I think it would have still made a lot of money. Um, and I think playing the game is the most important thing. Of course, it, we needed a fair playing field and we need both teams to be able to prepare properly for for the match, but I would have thought that would be quite possible. Uh, right, let's move on. Let's get some moments of the week. Uh, Gareth, let me start with you. What's caught your eye? Yeah, well, last Saturday, Tony, I was out in the in the howling wind at Lancrest, and it, it was uh, very tough conditions, but it was um, the, the Royal Guernsey's big flagship event of the year, which is the Butterfield um, Open Foursomes, which is always it's always a very popular event, but this was um, Maximum Field um, chatting with Lindsay Boyd at the uh, Royal um, Club. He said this was the biggest field he'd ever seen in his time there. There's 320 golfers around there. 
but I just want to sort of focus a bit on sort of both ends of the of the golf spectrum in terms of the the handicaps there because um, sort of the highlight of my day was being able to follow the two Dannys um, Blondel and Bisson down the sixth, which was playing really really hard last week, and they made it look so easy. And it's one of those things that when you're a, a sort of a mid handicap golfer like me, you just sort of stand in awe of the of the ball striking ability these guys had, and they they birdied the par five sixth with a birdie putt of about six inches. They played it so well. Um, but you sort of expect that from guys like that. Um, at the other end, um, the winners, Nick Green and Barry Hintz, uh, really nice guys. And to be honest, speaking to them sort of just before they picked up the trophy, they were just in almost disbelief that they'd come out on top. And it was just so nice to see these, these two guys just chatting away, almost wondering how on earth they'd managed to come out on top of 160 pairs. And it was just... Just really good to um, be back in that sort of golfing environment, which um, I look forward to even more this summer. Yeah, and some exciting golf to come this weekend. Um, more on that later on in the pod. Uh, Rob, your moment of the week? Well, it had to be um, midway through the first half of the um, Ravenscroft under-14s decided at St Peter's Sunday evening. It was terrible conditions up there, really, really, really strong wind blowing towards the airport. And as I say, early, in the early stages, one of the lads knocked the ball up in there very, very high into the air towards my towards the touchline. And it was swirling around there. And as it came down towards me, I trapped it first time <laughs> absolutely perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely. I turned it and some of the girls, young girls alongside me were open mouthed and then I just, I sort of went, da-da. And um, I've been trying to do something similar to that for years and years and years and it's always been embarrassing how bad the my touch. But this time it came good. Oh, you, you free for some six aside on Sunday? No, I'm, I'm sure I'd let myself down again, but oh, I couldn't believe it. I really was, that was my highlight. Such a not, shame we have not no this week. That's right. It was stunning. It was stunning. I couldn't have, tr- I couldn't have done it sweeter. Seriously, um, highlight of the week is hearing the, um, the fact that we are going to have this elite open foursomes golf competition. I think it's a great uh, new initiative, and that's why we're keen to back it. Um, and why, what I like about it, and why I'm glad Dave Jeffrey has pushed ahead with it, is that. There's not a lot of golf, a lot of competitions purely aimed at elite golfers. There's stacks of golf that goes on for both clubs and it's all handicap based generally, which is great, gets everybody involved and what have you. But unlike other events, if you're a top runner, for example, you're a top cyclist, if you're an elite cyclist or runner, the best runners always come to the top. They get the praise and whatever. That doesn't often happen in golf, to be honest, you know, because most of the competitions are handicap-based. And although there are scratch prizes, they are secondary to the actual main main winner. Um, and um, we saw, obviously, the last week with the, um, the main Open Foursomes event. Um, the two old chaps who won it, it was great for them, but they would they'd be the first ones to agree they are not the best golfers in the field. And it's, it'd be good to see some elite more elite golf being played. Yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, Guernsey Press elite men's foursomes um, at the back end of the pod and and run through who's playing and and why it's going to be such an exciting competition. Uh, Let's leave it there for part one and move on to some cricket now because the 2021 season uh, gets underway on Saturday with a full day of exhibition games at the KG5 featuring matches between the island's men's, women's and junior squads. It'll also see a new outdoor bar officially open. I'm sure some people will be more excited about that than the cricket. Uh, that's the, the latest development uh, at the ever-changing That's for sure. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, never wants to turn down a trip to the bar. Gareth and I uh, popped along uh, this week to check it out and speak to two people uh, keen to see it and the middle well used this summer. Well, here we are at the new Legends Terrace at the KG5. Beautiful sunshine, light breeze fluttering the flags, and we've got... I don't know, half a dozen picnic benches, some very shiny railings, some beautiful, fresh-looking decking. Uh, it is quite a picture. Uh, Gareth and I are joined by Philippa Stalin, a Guernsey uh, Island player and someone who's recently joined the board of Guernsey Cricket and Mark Latter, Guernsey Cricket's chief executive. Uh, guys, great to be here. Thanks for, for joining us on this new terrace. Always something new to look out for at the KG5 uh, at the moment. Mark, just give us the, the sell on the Legends Terrace. What's it all about? Literally says what it is. It's... Um put together to sort of recognise the legends of Guernsey cricket over the uh, years that we've been playing here at KG5 and across the island. In time, we'll recognise that, I think, with some way with some plaques and bits and pieces. But for now, it'll be a great viewing platform to watch the current legends of Guernsey cricket do their thing uh, on the uh, lush grass of uh, KG5. So there's still time for me and Gareth to earn legend status then. It hasn't been decided yet. Uh, no, I think the criteria is fairly broad, so you might slip in. <laughs> well, I'm fairly broad, so I might get in. <laughs> but it is a great—it's uh, a great addition to, to you know the facility down here from a sort of spectator's social point of view. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the big things we're looking to sort of try and achieve over the next couple of years with the cricket, off the back of the lockdown and more people being around, and we had bigger crowds last year, um, is really the fan engagement and make the experience far more. So by bringing um, screens onto the terrace here so people can see scorecards and replays from the games we streamed with Warren and that that we started last year, um, just, just the whole um, atmosphere of the game. So it's the cricket out there, but something off the field as well for people to come and have a look at. We're obviously summer sports, so we're fighting with the beaches of Guernsey, which is an unfair fight because they're gorgeous, um, but we'll do our best. And just give us a sense of how the summer is shaping up then, because you've got a launch event on Saturday for the Legends Terrace, uh, a women's game, a men's game and a junior game, I think, as well. Um, expecting a, a few people down here to, to kind of christen, christen the bar and, uh, and I guess get excited for the season ahead. Has it been slightly easier to plan than last year or has that been generous? Uh, it's been a bit different because last year we were sort of planning it without knowing what was around the corner. Um, and then suddenly we were locked down. So everything we'd planned, we then had to pull back on and cancel. This year we were planning it pretty much in a lockdown, so we kind of just wondering when it was going to come out. So last year you were doing it all not knowing you were potentially wasting your time. This time you're doing it all <laughs> not knowing possibly you are. So everything's a bit unknown at the moment. I mean, we pushed back the season a bit because obviously football, hockey, etc., the winter sports were still trying to get their season in and still are. So we gave a couple of weeks there because pitches, players, coaches, parents can't put everybody in one place, in two places at the same time. So we're a little bit later than we'd normally be, but that's why we're going to open up this game on the 1st, which is going to feature, as you say, women, um, youth and the men across our system. So that'll be a bit of uh, fun, but it'll get us going. And then um, the following week, Division 3 starts and off we go from there. Philippa, are you going to be in action on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Um, we've got a, I think we're eight aside, we've got a T10 Um so, yeah, we're all juggling a bit of hockey and all the other sports. But, yeah, no, I'll be down there. And, um, I mean, it's just been fantastic. We're, you know, we've started our training a couple of weeks into training now. And we're just raring to get out there and just hit a ball around. You know, I think everyone's the same. So it's just a great – it's just going to be good fun, good fun, and hopefully the weather will hold for us. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, brilliant. And, uh, yeah, clearly there's been an explosion in women's cricket worldwide, uh, you know, much, much more focus and priority given at the, at the top level. Is that something that's reflected in Guernsey? I think so. I would say, because I got involved about five years ago, we're really just starting up a sort of fledgling side and anybody who wants to come and play cricket, do a bit of training, 
made up of sort of footballers and, and hockey players, a reasonable high um, hand-eye coordination. And we've really, really developed, and, and particularly through the junior level with the number of coaches we've got going into schools, and we're now seeing that coming through. So at the top end, you've got kind of uh, sort of gritty, competitive women who can just lo love a, a bit of sort of, you know, a bit of real sport and just having having fun out there in the pitch and some some incredibly talented youngsters who are very young but really they've, they've been taught how to play cricket properly and they're really teaching us that as well and uh, so I just look at the future and I think you know already we've we've um, we've won the last three interinsulars against a very good Jersey young side but we're now getting some youngsters through as well so I, I think it's I think it's great and if I can hang on a bit longer I'm going to hope to enjoy more of it. Yeah, you mentioned Jersey. I know they've announced some quite ambitious plans on the women's side in the in the last year and, and are moving things forward there. Uh, are we are we matching that progress? I know we you've mentioned we've won the last few interinsulars. Um, yeah, do you expect to be able to keep pace with them with their plans? I don't. I don't know. I mean, they are. They they've got a fantastic pool. They've got more more in terms of numbers. They've got some real juniors. And actually, one of the reasons why I think we've been successful is that, that they've had some real really youngsters in that died. And give them a couple more years and they're, they're no longer younger and they're also a bit more battle hardened. So it's going to be tougher and tougher and tougher. But with that, we, you know, we're coming up behind them in, in that side. And I think, I mean, Mark can talk more about what's happening in the junior side. But I just I just turn up at training and there are more of the youngsters, you know, the young teenage girls who are choosing cricket as their sport and it's not a secondary sport which I think it was at the beginning for the, for for most of us and now it's this is our sport and they're you know they've been on all the podcast sorry all the um, all the zoom chats that we've had um, with some of the professional cricketers and um, they've really they're just really engaged with it and um, it's it's fabulous to see so we're definitely going the right direction yeah mark there's been a lot of energy put into youth development in the last few years um, how important is it to give young boys and young girls you know, something to aspire to kind of once they grow up? Massive. I mean, our whole school's programme is built around um, getting the, the cricket into people's minds and hearts, although it's, you know, at that level, it's also just about getting people active and doing stuff. But I mean, at that very first stage, it's not boys or girls, it's boys and girls. So it's easier to have the girl, guys doing it together and then they'll carry on doing that through the thing rather than trying to have a boys game or a girls game. It just doesn't work, I think, in any sport. So I think first and foremost, we're in the schools delivering both boys and girls at the same time. The girls' programme, like Philippa says, is growing um, really well. And there's some, you know, some of the girls that just turn up and start bowling leg spin without any having ever trained them. You think, where's that come yeah. from? Uh, Molly, I mean, what yeah. a player she's going to be. So that's great to see. Um, and then moving forward with that. And I have to say, and it pains me to do so, but, you know, Ben Furbrush has been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's come in. Um, everybody knows Ben as a player for the national squad, but I mean his organisation and enthusiasm behind him, Lee Deck, etc. The team there are just, you know, really pulling out the stops to put cricket front and centre. And we offer a good product. I think you know it's about people and players. It's about creating somebody you know who enjoys their sport, and, and they can play other sport. They can play cricket. We're summer sport. There's winter sport as well, and it's dovetailing all that together and not creating moving any barriers that stop people enjoying you know just getting out in the fresh air and running around and putting bat on ball. How big a selling point is it, Mark? That Guernsey is an international sort of nation when it comes to cricket. I mean, you can actually say to youngsters, um, even in primary school age, if, if you want to play cricket, 
you can actually become an international sportsman or, or sportswoman by representing Guernsey. Yeah, I mean, in our, um, we've just recently revamped our sort of strategy and operational plan in conjunction with a um, piece with ICC. And one of the things we put in there in a sort of the, the vision statement was that differential in that it was an opportunity to play sport but then on an international stage which differentiates us from some of the other sports and, and you know it isn't competitive we want if Guernsey sport is is successful then individually each sport is successful and that's a key and it's about discussing you know the sports and allowing everybody that opportunity to play every sport so that they can um, you know have an opportunity across them all and there'll be parts of rugby or football that help play cricket and vice versa so I think that that's that's key at the first stage to get everybody playing but then as people you know develop talent in it and there's particular skills coming through then the opportunity to go around the world and play against other countries representing your nation not a club is something we're not going to be frightened to shout about and say hey this is what we do come and represent Guernsey on the international stage and for the women that that's we're at right at the the right opportunity for that because we you know we're talking about the sort of second tier third tier nations and we can get in there if we can get our ranking and we can do that we've we've already played France we've played playing jersey we get a ranking and if we can get a proper ranking we can start entering those tournaments and you know mark and i have been watching some of the world cricket the women's cricket um and you know, some of those we we feel we can definitely compete at at a level and then build our way through, and that's really exciting. So you're going to have young players who are sort of thinking to themselves, actually, I'm playing against France, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm playing against some of the some of the you know Denmark or whatever, and it just amazing. You know, if we can get up, you know, if we can get out and about, and, and the world starts opening up, it should be really exciting. And one thing that we can we're looking at doing, we've been chatting with Jersey about, is you know the women's game and numbers. Numbers in the men's game is the same thing. We've, you know, between us, we're much um, weaker in that area to a lot of the top countries we compete against. So we're looking to join the women's thing up quite quickly. So we're looking at trying to get a domestic league started here as soon as possible, Jersey similarly. Um, one of the criteria for ICC to compete in um, World Cup qualifying is you have eight teams playing competitively in your league. Well, for Jersey and Guernsey to have eight teams each even in the long term, is probably optimistic. Um, but what we can achieve is four each. Play a CI league, which we want to get off the ground, was going to be this year, potentially now next year. And if we can get those four sides playing each other in the same way as the men do, then we can go to ICC and say, look, we've got eight teams here. We're playing well. We're playing these teams um, who are in World Cup qualifying and beating them. Give us our chance on the world stage. So it, it's, it's across Ireland as well. And, that, and that's something working with Craig... Marpo in Jersey is, is working really well because we both want to see Channel Island cricket improve. Because again, like I said, with Guernsey sport generally being successful, it's good for cricket. And if Channel Island sport is successful, it's good for both of us. Yeah, and on the national side front, uh, yeah, clearly last summer was a, 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 a well, mostly a washout, saved by you know, the Isle of Man visit. Um, what are the prospects for play this summer? Uh, tough. We're supposed to be going to Finland at the end of June. And the dates sort of straddle the potential 1st of July date that was given for um, travel restrictions to be re reduced completely. So it's a difficult one because it's against the, you know, wanting to play. And it's also the issue of putting amateur players into a um, COVID bubble environment that, you know, it's fine for professionals where it's your living. But it's a difficult one for players because it, it sucks a bit of the joy out of actually playing. More importantly, we've got to put our guys at risk. What that risk is, I don't totally know, but it's obviously worse than it would be if you're staying on Guernsey, where we're COVID-free. So we have to be very careful in terms of how we do that reputationally in respect to the players who will take two weeks off to play. They couldn't afford another two weeks if something went horribly wrong. 
um, unpaid leave, etc. Let alone, you know, the risks to their health and everything else. And it is all a bit unknown. And I, I, I kind of get the feeling that this year is a bit of a transition from last year, where you kind of knew where you were, nowhere. Next year, where hopefully everything will be a lot more known, vaccination programs gone through, etc. And we just got to get ourselves between those two years and doing a lot more at home where we can control the environment and, and look after our guys is probably more sensible. Yeah, we know that there are plans um, in other sports for, for influencers to return, Siam Cups and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, is that a realistic prospect this summer? Uh, we've talked to Jersey about influencers at the junior level, 11, 13 and 15, with the potential for us to go across there and play them all at FB on the 3rd of July. Obviously, that, that, whether that happens or not will be up to other people to open up the, uh, the travel corridors, etc. Um, and, and equally, we're looking at trying to find gap for um, some uh, uh, international cricket between Guernsey and Jersey at the men's and women's level. Again, that will depend on travel. And also, they're looking at trying to put their calendar together. <clears throat> they're hosting uh, a Cricket World Cup 50-over competition early September, which affects their grounds and having to create COVID bubbles and all that. So it depends whether that all happens. If it does, it will squeeze the calendar. If it doesn't, there'll be a lot of space. So it, it is kind of all options open, don't rule anything out, and then see where it all lays down when other people make the big decisions. Yeah, and Mark, just talking about, I um, just want to have a quick look back at last year when we when we did actually manage to get some cricket on here, when, unlike most places. Um, you mentioned the live streaming as well. Can you just sort of give a flavour on actually how popular that was and how far it spread because the actual figures of how many people saw some of the action from the kg5 were actually quite phenomenal uh yeah um way beyond our, our wildest dreams um i mean the, the, the initial game that we did the sort of first game out of covid that was the first game in the british isles and the first game with spectators i think in the world um that had you know hundreds of thousands of hits across the bbc sites and various uh platforms and similarly, the Isle of Man series um, was well watched across um, all those sort of platforms again. And at, at the time when there wasn't a lot of cricket going on, so we were leading cricket value and there aren't, you know, people will want to watch cricket in some form or value around the world at any given time. And they're finding different mediums to do that on now. It's not your traditional television s series. So, yeah, I mean, it was great. And it was obviously an opportunity to put our cricket in the limelight, men's and women's, but it was also an opportunity to put... Um, uh, you know, Guernsey on the map with these people as well. So it was, a, yeah, it was an opportunity that you couldn't not take. You turned Matt Renoff into a, a virtual star, didn't it? Taking a catch of the season the, on that first. But it just morning. shows you the mates in it. Social media. I mean, that catch went round the world and um, to Collingwood and people like that yeah. commenting on it. And then you know, e even something as simple in lockdown when Lee Forsher and the kids were banging cricket balls off a dustbin and Ben Stokes jumped in on it. Um, it's just amazing how that media gets into it. So it's something we'll be investigating going forward to put all these guys in the limelight and, and show the world how good they are. Yeah, we spoke about sports tourism on the podcast last week. Yeah, given that experience, you know, is it something that, that you can, as a cricket board, can develop um, even further than what you have already? Can we see more tournaments being staged here, visiting teams? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think sport, where it has a real niche, is the fact that obviously you've got all those players um, who would come across and they're going to pay to come across. They're going to pay for their flights. They're going to pay for their hotels. So that's money straight into the bottom line. It's not coming out of our pocket to get them to come here in the first place. There's ways of massaging that process to help it. You know, if we hold a tournament here rather than in France, most people have got a second flight. So that's the issue that you might have to look at to make it happen. Um, whereas they could maybe fly direct into France or maybe the typical European countries that we'd be playing. But um, I think getting a load of club sides over here, hosting a tournament at the club level or world level, European level, um, you know, as we saw when we did just simply the Isle of Man. 
you know, the amount of bed nights we took up at St Pierre Park at the time, they, I know they were very grateful um, and it, it makes a big difference. So we will keep on doing that um, and if we can make any issues, that's barriers that stop it happening uh, can be got away by the government or whoever through the Sports Commission, then obviously we'll chat with them as well. And speaking of international involvement, um, I know Guernsey Cricket signed up to the European Cricket League um, last year uh, and there's plans for a tournament in Spain start of 2022 is that right february um is that something that you're kind of plugged right into and that the the, the domestic players will be effectively playing for a place in that uh, tournament this summer yeah so the winners of the evening league one this year will be guernsey's representative as in that european club championship um in february in spain so and i think this is one european club championship that is going to go ahead where everybody's happy about it Unlike the one that recently went pop. <laughs> <laughs> and how big is that? Do you think that's going to really, um, you know, kind of light the touch paper in the evening league division one this summer in terms of an incentive, an extra incentive that players will be playing for? I hope so, because I mean, the, fi- the funding and the way it works is that effectively that 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 trip into um, Spain is virtually free, um, with the, the deal that's worked with European Cricket League and Daniel and the guys there. So. You know, I think you know winning your, the local league is always a big thing, but the ability to go and then represent Guernsey as our club representatives in the European Club Championships against reps from Holland and uh, France, Germany, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think there's up to 20 odd countries now in it, three groups, uh, should be a big thing. And again, it's all streamed, it's all available for people to watch back home and get behind, you know, Kobo regulars, Griffins, whoever it might be, um, and that's just quite an amazing thing and going back to the Legends Terrace where we are now you know 50 60 years ago if you said to the guys they'd be going off to play in Europe in cricket they probably wonder why why Spain or France until they even play cricket and now we're playing against them at club level and international level so cricket's come quite away. Just to finish on the domestic side of things uh, any significant changes to, to, to how the kind of domestic program looks this summer? Uh, not really. We've got the six-team um, Division 1 which we introduced last year which is good. Um, they'll be playing on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday this year um, other than that, two and three, we've got a knockout at the end of Division uh, 2 to keep that going and Division 1 because of the way the leagues have sort of formed around the Finland picture, although we haven't got the full definitive on that. Weekend League, uh, we've got the OEs coming in to create a fourth team on the championship, which is brilliant to see. Um, and then uh, we've got eight teams now in the bowl, so we've got two groups of four there. So more teams, more cricket. Yeah, and we got the women in um, into the men's league for the first time, and um, and that will be big for us because um, obviously it's it's we just can't compete against anybody else because we're the only club on the island. So that that just keeps the momentum going and gives people a regular outlet, women a regular outlet for for cricket. And plus we've got probably about ten or twelve women who are playing in the men's teams. Um, on a regular basis, the ones that are really keen to do that and the men's sides have been fantastic at, at, at that. And so we're, that's becoming, from being one or two, sort of two, two three years ago, it's now, oh, I'll have a go at that, you know, and they've, they've really embraced that. So that's that's fantastic. Brilliant. Well, we'll be following it all very closely this summer. Uh, thanks very much for, for joining us on the Legends Terrace. I've eyed my spot on the, uh, on the wall already, but whether I do enough this summer to earn that place, yeah. I'm not too confident, but we'll see. Uh, you know, Philip, best of luck on Saturday. Thank Enjoy you the very game. much. Mark, thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Well, I have to say it was uh, absolutely glorious down there this week, and it looks like it'll be a fine day on Saturday too for that launch. Uh, Gareth, your brother, of course, Stuart, the, the head groundsman down there, so I know you've got to be careful about what you say, but I'm sure you won't be too critical. Uh, it is ever-evolving down there, and it's looking better and better. 
it's so different now to the place where Stuart and I used to go and play corner cricket when we were about six and seven years old, to be honest. It's such a phenomenal facility now at the KG5, and certainly the new Legends Terrace um, will help um, for just spectator um, comfort, and I'm sure it'll be very well used. But yeah, I, mean, I know that Stu's desperate for some rain at the moment, like most groundsmen, but um, they... He's always been one to put a great deal of pride into what he does. And I know that Josh, who works alongside him there, is exactly the same in that regard. And it, it looks in real picture. And I can't wait for the cricket to start. Yeah, we spoke to, to Josh Butler as well, the Island men's captain, uh, T20 captain. And um, we'll be playing that out on the podcast in the next couple of weeks when, when things really get going. Um, Rob, have you been down to check out the Legends Terrace yet? Um, yeah, it sounds, looks very nice. Unfortunately, the bar was closed when I was there. But um, no, it's, it, the ground does look absolutely terrific. And um, I, it was pleasing to notice that the, um, they've actually erected an extra three and a half metres of netting on top of the, of the, the steel fencing, which separates the main cricket area and the 3G, 3G area. Because last um, towards the end of last summer, um, we did note a few times in the paper that the danger it had become when you've got people like Tim Ramescroft and other batsmen have been <laughs> raining sixes down over that fence whilst there's some football being played and it was a disaster waiting to happen um, but with that extra netting um, on top I, I don't see it being a problem in the future and I'm sure it'll be a challenge the likes of Tim and a few others to see if they can clear it I'm sure they will um, but when if it does I'm sure it'll just plop over as opposed to um, rate um, here over like a, some sort of Exocet missile yeah no danger of that when I'm batting I don't think um, <laughs> but there we go I used to keep the ball on the ground all the time <laughs> classy, classy. <laughs> uh, well let's um, look ahead to what else is going on this week and uh, as we discussed at the top of the show something new on the golf front the Guernsey Press Elite Men's Foursomes a brand new event starts on Saturday uh, Gareth just run us through the format and, and, and kind of what it's going to bring to the to local golf calendar yeah well it's something that um, our island men's manager Dave Jeffrey sort of instigated along with um, an idea through Jeff Davis but it also I think it stems from the fact that Jersey hold a, a competition along these lines and it's very successful over there and you do get some really strong pairings in Jersey and I think Dave is looking for something to give his island players, both men's and in the senior men's side, um, more preparation for interinsular competition. And um, also just to, like Rob said before, it's, it's about giving these guys a, a, a competition to aim for where the, the best will come out on top. Um, so, yeah, it, Dave, I think, will use it very much as a selection tool as well in the future, perhaps if it um, moves a bit closer to interinsular time and what have you. But um, on this occasion, because it's been put together at pretty short notice because of the, the just the very busy diary golf has, it's, it's very unusual to be able to get um, the chance to put a competition on on the weekend. Um, so it, it's been done pretty much on a, a captain's invite on this occasion. So all the best players who are available will be turning out. I know there's a few that were invited who aren't able to play this year, which um, hopefully will will change in future. But um, yeah, it starts with a 18-hole stroke play qualifying event um, for 12 pairs this year, and um, the top eight from that will go into the knockout stages. So it'll be quarterfinals, semifinals, and final. 
Yeah, brilliant. And how are the pairings looking? Are there some enticing matchups? Well, there were some quite sort of obvious ones who were very well known as Guernsey pairings. Certainly, um, Jamie Blondel and Steve Mai have played together for years and years. And as Dave said to me, he said it's not rocket science to put those two together. Uh, the two Dannys, Blondel and Bisson, they play quite regularly together. But there's also some other interesting ones where um, Dave obviously wants to have a look at certain players, certain sort of the youngsters like um, Ollie Chedholm will be playing the Junior Island Champion. He's playing alongside um, Arthur Evan, Evans, who's uh, who's now down to scratch, I believe. He, he's just Arthur's one of those guys who, if you don't see him on a golf course, it's very unusual because he's always out there playing, and he he is one of the most steady players you could ever wish to see. And I think those two will be actually a really good pairing. Um, and there, yeah, there's a couple of others which could be interesting with certainly, I know Daniel Griggs is playing with CJ Elmy. I think that's got the potential to be a very interesting pairing. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see whether they gel, but uh, I, I think it's um, got the making of a very good tournament. Well, before we go, let's have a quick word on some of the other stuff happening this weekend. Um, Rob, football, anything we should be looking out for? Yeah, there's a pretty tasty game going up at Blanchpier Lane, hopefully on Saturday afternoon. Um, St Martin's host Manza. Um, and it's... Um, Probably one of the final um, matches where Saints should come, should in theory come under a bit of pressure to get the points. Um, Manza have only got two matches to go to play. They sit in third place at the moment, but realistically they've got to win both those those games. Have a chance of finishing third, I think. They've played several more games than both Sylvans and Bells. Um, it was you know reasonably close a couple of weeks ago. If they've got their full side out, they score first. Potential of a shock. Um, don't expect to see it, to be honest. But um, it, it's certainly the pick of the games this weekend because Rovers are in Alderney. Um, elsewhere, it's the Island Table Tennis Championship weekend over four days, and um, that promises to be great. It's always worth a pop down to the Island tennis, ta- Table Tennis Championships week. Um, that sport has set the bar in terms of staging events for many, many years. They've got a fantastic... Um, committee who run the sport um, and it will be no different I'm sure this year and it will be always very, it's very entertaining always very very welcoming um, I'm a little bit disappointed to be honest um, at the at the top end of the men's singles these days I mean it it, it is open in fact that we you know we've got the defending seat defending champion Josh Stacey is actually the number five seed um, Ben Foss being the number one seed and um which sort of suggests that it's a very open event. But if you analyse the tournament, it probably hasn't got the depth, anywhere near the depth it had only three or four years ago when you had the likes of Gary Dodd um, around. Josh Butler was playing then. Alex Robinson, Scott Romrell, not probably a few couple more years before that. And Alice Loveridge, was, of course, was still playing in the thick of things then. So it's not a vintage time for men's table tennis. Some good players around, but I'll say it's not not the best. Um, and it would be good to see some of these really talented under-18s who are sort of on the fringes are coming through, actually push on. But um, but now long no, now we've no longer got Becky around to um, to um, she was a development officer and did a fantastic job over many years to to push these these youngsters. Um, it doesn't seem to me that they're actually just taking that extra step into the into the, what I call the elite factor and um, pushing the likes of the Stacey boys. And we've got a couple of years, obviously, until the Island Games. Um, does that give the, the the Island Table Tennis players at the top end time to to kind of regroup and and you know, we would hope so. Kind you of, would, yeah, you yeah, would hope so. That proud record they've got. You would hope so, um, but um, 
it doesn't, you know, for example, it's 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 great to see we see Dawn and Morgan and Kay Chivers still there um, battling out for the for the for the women's title, and they've got something like almost forty titles between them, which is an absolutely amazing thing. But now Alice is no longer there. It'd be great to see another young girl coming through who is who's really really going to push them. For, for that crown, um, there are some. There are some good young players. Young Erin Vodin seems to have come on um, a lot, but it's about stepping up from being a good player to an excellent player. And we've seen it obviously in golf in recent times, where we, a lot of good youngsters come through, reach two, three handicap, but don't really push on to that scratch status and push on in terms of winning, challenging for Ireland championships. Let's hope we get it this year with the likes of Ollie Shedome. Um, but it'd be good to see that happening in table tennis as well. Right, well, let's um, finish up there. In fact, before we go, uh, a quick mention, as ever, of the uh, the football top 100, because number one will be revealed um, tomorrow on Friday. Excited to reach the conclusion, Rob? I am very excited. It's been a bit of a slog, but it's been one of the most enjoyable slogs I've ever done. To be honest, it's been great getting um, looking back through through the old folders and reviewing the the statistical books that Richard Payne put together. And whilst I think there will always be a bit of a discussion around the placings, I think we've got it pretty much much right. Um, And there haven't been many, many outliers. Um, Looking back, I probably think there's probably one or two players, I think, well, perhaps on second thought, should have made the top 100 for sure. but I'm very pleased with what we've got at the top end. We've got we've had some excellent players, and I think um, that's shown that's shown itself in in the in the reports we've put together in recent days. And watch out for a special podcast um, that will be uh, hitting your podcast players on Friday as well. Um, Rob sat down with three men who uh, know all about local football and and all about um, most of the players featured in the top ten to to yeah, reflect on on the men who made the top 10 and what made them so special. Um, yeah, really good listen. Yeah, it was so. great to sit down with um, Colin Fallais, um, Mark Tichet and Henry Davey for an hour and a half, talk about football and these old players. And they came up with some cracking stories and, and, some, and some really, really interesting viewpoints on the, on the players, which we've focused in the top 10 this past week or so. Yeah, so watch out for that on Friday. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying the shows, um, pick up your phone and leave us a rating or review. And hey, why not tell a friend or a family member? Uh, We'll be back uh, with another Guernsey Press Sport podcast next Thursday. Uh, Have a great weekend. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.